welcome to It's Quite Interesting to Be Fair with me, Taryn, and my mate, Paul Baluji. It's Baluji, thank you. Yeah, and our special guest, Paul Litter. Have I said that right? Yeah. Good, good, good. Good, yeah. So, how are you guys today? Good, yeah, thanks. Yeah, not not so bad. How about yourself, Taryn? Yeah, just recovering from a bit of trauma, but otherwise... That's going well. Yeah. I'm guessing you don't want to elaborate on the trauma. I think it's a bit too soon to to expand on that at the moment. I think it needs a bit more time to, to settle in with myself and the other victim that was right. involved in clearly, it. Clearly a touchy yeah. subject. He's going through a bit of a breakup. Mm, yeah. What are you up to today, Paul? Not really anything today. Uh, mostly recovering from not too much, but quite a bit of drinking yesterday. Um, so, you know, just a lazy Sunday uh, at home. Very nice. It's always nice just to do nothing on a Sunday. Yeah. It's just yeah. a day of rest, right? Sorry watching yeah. Torchwood again for some reason. but Oh, Torchwood. That's interesting. Was this uh, off the back of to stuff we were talking about last weekend? What did we talk about last weekend? Oh, actually, this may have been before you got there. Me and Kian were talking about Doctor Who and Torchwood. Ah, okay. No. I don't know. It just came up in my YouTube recommendations. Like clips of it, and then I was like, oh, I might as, well, might as well watch a full episode. Fair enough. Yeah, makes sense. Am, am I dumb to say what is it? It's like a spin-off I mean, from Doctor Who? Yeah, it's a, it's a spin-off mm-hmm. of Doctor Who. So in, oh. uh, in, in Doctor Who, there was this organization called Torchwood, and they made a yeah. spin-off focusing on this organization. Torchwood is mainly is set in the Doctor Who universe, but a bit more adult than Doctor Who. So not my cup of tea, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it has technology in it. Okay. By the way, I don't like everything that has technology in it. That's just someone came up with a random theory. Just say no. It's not a theory if it's true. No, but like South Park doesn't have technology in it, does it? What? Paul, do you know what he's talking about? No, but also, it's not a theory if it's true. What? Yeah, there's loads of theories are true. Well, that's true. You know what I mean, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's you not just I mean, a theory, like, if it's true. It's not It's not like, oh, Tyron only likes stuff that has technology in it. Like, I like church. Church doesn't have technology in it. It literally well, does. Na- you spend every well, Friday now it does. setting up your stuff for yeah, church. Yeah, now it does. But you know, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. Paul, where are you right now? Where am I? Because like, we're on a, cause, so people can't see this, but we're on a video call right now. And we can see... Yeah. Paul's background. So it's pretty clear that Taron's in his room. I'm in my room, but I can't figure out where Paul is. Well, I'm technically in my living room, but it's a bit of an unusual one because... So I live on a boat, so it looks very oh. different from what you'd expect a living room to look like. Um, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, very narrow. You have the chimney at the back. Um, oh, so this might sound stupid. I thought it was like some type of pole that you used to like... You know, like fireman's pole that you oh. like slide down. No. Where's you gonna slide down the from? The top. Like, does it have a boat have like a top? Like, well, it has a roof. It doesn't have. There's only one floor, but then yeah, there's a roof. But no, you just get on. Yeah. You get you get in from the door, not from a fireman pole. That'd be yeah, cool though. I'd love to have a fireman pole in my. But I just thought that I thought it was like a pole that you like slide down. But yeah. Uh, no, that's the flute for the chimney for the. Uh, that's pretty cool how are you finding it so far when did when did you move into the boat it's been a bit more than a year so like june 2019 i think is when i moved in 
Um, right, yeah. So do you, do you only stay in the boat then, I guess? Yeah. Well, so during the lockdown, I went away for three months back to my parents' house. But the rest of the time, I've been in the boat since then. Um, but yeah, it's been good. I like it. Um, I'm sure it's not really for everyone. It's a bit of a different lifestyle. What are some of the changes you've made in your lifestyle since you've mentioned it? To my lifestyle? Um, well, you have to be a lot careful about like resources. Because um, when you're living in a house, you're like connected to the electric grid, you're connected to the sewers, you're connected to like the, I don't know, city water system, whatever it's called. And you can sort of use these without really worrying about it, right? It's like, well, the only concern you have is how high your bill is going to be at the end of the month. And most of the time, it's a fixed price anyway. Whereas here, it's like I literally have to monitor how much water I have left in my tank. And every time I get into the shower, I'm like, oh, am I going to run out of water mid-shower? I have a question. Just, yeah, how do I word this? Like, if you were to take a dump, does that, like, just go into the water? Or do you have to, like, empty it? No, no, it doesn't go straight into the canal. Um, so oh. all the gray water, so that's uh, sinks and shower, that goes straight in the canal. Um, so, like, when I wash my dishes oh. or I take a shower... See, I'm right! Okay. So yeah. you can see, like, the see, if, the foamy see, water if you were come to out. Piss, so if you were to pee inside the sink, then that would go into the water? Yeah, it would. But generally, I don't piss in the sink. I piss in the toilet. Um, And then the toilet, that that gets stored, and then I have to empty it um, once a week, roughly. Once every two weeks. Oh, so how would you empty it? Like, is it... That must be just weird. So there's different systems. There's one which is like a big tank, and then you connect a pipe to the boat, and that pumps out the tank. Oh, that's cool. And you do that like once every month or two. Um, I have a simpler system, which is literally a box that's under the toilet, and then that fills up, oh. and then oh. when it's full, then you take the box out, and then you empty it in some special spots. Have you ever played a prank on anyone and, like, like throwing it over them? No, because that would be very disgusting. Yeah. Um, most of the time when I'm emptying them, and, like, I have friends over or something like that, they, like, stand as far as possible from me because they're, like, disgusted <laughs> by the idea of it. Um, yeah. uh, that's cool, though. I guess you can go wherever you, wherever you want as well, isn't it? Like, well, not wherever you want, but, like, you know what I mean? Where there's a canal. <laughs> yeah, they can, down the canal. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Like, so, before living on a boat, I lived in London for three years, four years. Um, and I was mostly in West London, like Fulham kind of area. Um, and I didn't really know London that much because I didn't grow up in the UK or in London. And so I went to uni and I knew sort of my area of London. But now that I've been on the boat, because every few weeks I'm in a different area of London, I've come to know London a lot more. Like I can actually put places on the map that previously I had like no clue. I was like, oh, it's somewhere in East London. Whereas now I actually like know where things are located. Um, I don't know anything of South London because there's no canals there, but um, above, north of the river... No one cares about South London anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but north of the river, like, I, I've actually started knowing where places are, where I d- didn't at all before. So that's been fun. That's pretty that's cool. That's cool. You mentioned that you have to move every two two weeks? Yeah, so there's... When you have a boat on the canals, there's two options. Either you have a permanent mooring, which is somewhat doable outside of London, but London, it costs a fortune. Um, or you're what they call continuous cruiser, so you have to move every two weeks. But then you you don't have to pay any extra fee 
And so every two weeks, you have to move by like one or two miles. So if you had to move in two weeks, do you have to find another place? Yeah. Or do you just... So do you find it before? No, there's no booking system or anything like that. You just show up and you hope there's going to be a place. Um, yeah. I've never really struggled to find a place. Or very rarely. Um, there's pretty much always space. That's good. So, I don't know, if you walk along the canals in London, you'll see that quite often you have two boats moored side by side. And that's called double mooring. And so quite often I arrive and there's no spots available, but I can double moor on someone else. And then they'll leave in like a week and then they take their spot. And then yeah. after that, someone moors onto me and then I'll leave later. Yeah. Do, they, do you have to get permission if you were to do that with someone else? No, it's kind of widely accepted that everyone does that. And so you don't need permission. There's a few people that's that cool. have signs on their boats being like, please don't double moor for whatever reason. Like... I saw a sign yeah. once of someone was expecting a baby and they didn't want people to double moored or someone was, I don't know, ill or something like that. Um, All right, yeah. But it's so more the exception than the general case. Yeah. So how do you deal with like electricity and stuff? Like, do you just plug yourself into each of these places or do you have to have like a battery that you charge? So I have a battery and you can't, there's no sockets to plug myself in. So... I have a battery and then I have solar panels that charge them during the day. Oh, nice. Um, when it's not sunny enough, in particular in the winter, um, I can also run the engine and that has an alternator on it that charges the battery. Oh, that's cool. But then having the engine on is quite loud and not nice for me and not nice for my neighbors. So I try yeah. to not do it as much as possible. But you can then that's use that cool. when you're moving moving the boat around, right? So you could charge stuff when you're... Yeah, yeah, right. But I mean, that's only every, once every two weeks. My batteries won't last two weeks. They last a few days at best, <laughs> depending how much I use them. Yeah, fair enough. That's cool. So so what does that mean that you can use electricity at, say, work? So you can charge a lot of your stuff at work and then you can, you can use that over the weekend? Yeah, so last year before lockdown and the pandemic and all that stuff, I would always bring my laptop into work. I would bring my Switch. I would bring like a USB battery pack. I would all I would bring my power tool batteries to my office and then I would charge everything there. Well, when they were empty, I would bring them in, charge them there and then take them home in the evening and barely use any um, any power. But that's mostly because so last winter I had a much smaller solar panel, so I, I couldn't charge as much. Now, with lockdown, I'm still working from home at the moment. And so yeah. with the summer, it's been easy enough because there's lots of lights to charge my laptop and everything else on the solo power. Um, I'm a bit worried about what's going to happen in the winter because I'm not sure I'm going to have enough power to charge my laptop. And so I'm planning on putting a second solar panel, but I might ask to go back into the office because at the moment it's like you're allowed to go back into the office if you really need to. But otherwise they ask you not to. But I'll yeah. be like, oh, my working conditions isn't appropriate. Can I come back in the office? Yeah, fair enough. It, this this does sound like a, yeah, I really need to. Yeah. Yeah, it get, I would say that's the scenario that you need to, yeah. Otherwise, like, how much would it cost for you to add another solar panel? Well, each solar panel is like, I don't know. So the one I have, I paid maybe £120 for it. So I can easily, like, oh, double or triple that capacity. But, like, in the winter, if there's no sun, multiplying by three, the amount of sun you get is still very much nothing three times zero is zero. yeah so it, it obviously won't be zero but three times a small number is still a fairly small, still a number. small number yeah. um mm. so yeah i'm definitely going to double the capacity um then it's kind of a trade-off of like 
well, I really like hanging out on the roof with friends. And so the more solar panels I put, the less roof space I get. And so I don't want to cover my entire roof in solar panels. Why did you like move into like a, was like, is this an idea that you had from a child? Or is no, it like... not at all. Um, so basically I was living in London and then I left for two years and then I was coming back to do a PhD here. And so I knew that I was going to be in London for three years. Like if I knew it was going to be fairly stable, that my job was going to be quite flexible in terms of working hours and all that. And I kind of wanted to try something new. Um, I was sort of, um, how to say, fearing, not fearing, but like not looking forward to the whole process of like finding flatmates and finding a flat and negotiating the flat and all that thing. And then next year, the same process starts again. I kind of wanted to do something different. And I, I don't know how I got the idea at first, but then I sort of like started telling my friends and my family about it as a joke. And then they all, no, no one took me seriously. And I wasn't even serious about it. And then I sort of started researching it. And I was like, oh, it's not actually that stupid. Um, and like a few months later, I decided to do it. So, yeah, so did you have to like get a boat license and everything for it as well? So I have something they call a license, but it's, you just have to pay. It's not like a, it's not like a driving license where you have uh, a instructor and an exam and all that. I literally had no clue how to use the boat when I got on it. Um, which <laughs> Paul was there the first day. He can yep. tell you how like chaotic the first day was. The first day was, was pretty Instagram mad. Was this the Instagram story that I saw where you nearly crashed it into a tree? That was probably the first weekend, yeah. Either the Saturday or yeah. the Sunday. Yeah, there were on the first day, there were like four of us, I think. Um, and we left. And so when you're in, when you're cruising, it's quite easy, right? You like go straight, you turn one way, it goes that way and all that. And there's a bit of trial and error, but that's fine. The boat's also pretty slow, right? So yeah. it's not it's pretty hard to lose control of it. It's even if you're not paying attention really well, like you have a lot of time to react and fix your mistakes and all that. The really hard part yeah. was uh, mooring up because it's you kind of need to coordinate, like you need to, it's like parallel parking, but with inertia and uh, on a thing that you've never driven before. And so it took a f few tries the first day, yeah. Didn't it take us like 20 minutes to turn the boat around as well? Because when we got the boat, it was facing the wrong direction to where we needed to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, because the canal is just about wide enough to turn. Well, there's some spots where you can turn and some where you can't because it's not wide enough. And because I didn't have a good idea of how long the boat was, I never knew how whether it was safe to turn here. So we were like, does this look good? I don't know. Maybe not. Let's try the next one. And then like we kept going for quite a while before finding a place where we were like actually comfortable turning. <laughs> yeah, I think someone um, that we were with, was it was it James who had the bike? Yeah. So we would just send him ahead to try and find a spot. Yeah. Yeah, the gym, what, a motorbike. Oh, like a cycle. Oh, a cycle. Oh. Yeah. So we like dropped him off onto the towpath and he went and scout out for us. Oh, that's great. Oh. But that, it must be fun though. You, like, how have you found? Like, has it been harder during lockdown? I guess like everyone's in their boats. Yeah. Well, so I wasn't there during lockdown. I left mid March. I went back to France. Yeah. Um, and then I came back sometime in June, I think. So you can just leave it locked up somewhere. Well, so in theory, no, because you have to move every two weeks. But during yeah. the lockdown, the two weeks rule got removed. But yeah, I think it would have been a bit hard being on my own in quite a small space um, like this. Yeah, for sure. Especially if it's uh, 
I guess not many people would be moving around every two weeks as well if if they reduced that restriction. Yeah, yeah. And also, I guess like the the things you need, like food and everything, would be hard. Well, yeah, because it's like I can't get a delivery on a cat or something like that. And it it was what if I get ill and I'm stuck on my own here and I have to self isolate? It would have been a bit tricky, I think, which is why I decided not to stay here. Yeah, that's good. That's sensible though. You mentioned you're working from home right now. Yeah. How how easy is it? What 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 kind of stuff do you work with? Well, so I'm doing a PhD in computer science, so I just work on my laptop really all day. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing that bothered me with working from home is that I did not set up the boat. So like I built a when I moved in, I built a little table to like eat and and like just normal uh, table, not a desk, and so it's like way too low for a desk right yeah i don't really have the setup that you'd want from for a working from home thing because i never intended to work here really um, so that's kind of inconvenient oh, it must be hard so how, how are you finding your phd is it is this your like how how long will it be so i'm starting my second year now yeah and i've got about maybe two years left without well, two three years oh, cool. but yeah it's good um it's I don't know, it's very different from before I was doing a classic engineering job. Um, and it's it's a lot more freedom. It's I can sort of do, look into what I want. If I want to spend like two weeks digging into some idea, then I can do that. Whereas when you're working as an engineer in a company, you can't really get two weeks. Like you can't take two weeks off from the main project to go down some rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, and then... It's also like, I found it a lot more interesting and it definitely feels novel. Whereas in an engineering job, I always felt like what I was doing is anyone with enough money could have done the same thing. There wasn't anything, there wasn't really anything new or challenging about what we were doing. Whereas I definitely have more of this feeling now in research. What exactly are you researching? So I work on design of programming languages. Today you have dozens and dozens of programming languages and they all have their flaws and their advantages. And there's kind of a trade-off today between like performance. So how, yeah, how fast does your code execute? But then safety of how easy is it to introduce uh, security vulnerabilities in it? And so a lot of, for a lot of applications, you want a lot of performance, but that means you have to sacrifice on your security. And so there's a long history of bugs um, you can take, for example, Android, maybe five years ago, had a, a bugs, a series of bugs where someone could send you a text message with an image and then take control over your phone, basically like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Basically because the, there was, the images were encoded in a way that would trigger a bug in the phone that would then give you control. And that was because they used the language that allowed that because they wanted the performance. So I'm working on how do we build languages that sort of don't have to suffer from this um, and while still giving you good performance. That's pretty dope. So it's obviously a big field of research. I'm just working on one specific thing. But Is there, is there a lot of research you have to look into like things that are not really current but could be like in the horizon or issues that are happening like not really in the public eye? Not sure what you mean. Um... Let's say, for example, with this Android issue, this yeah. issue that was kind of found out, like whenever, 
is there things that people haven't had the proof yet that is an issue, but is still something that's like there on the horizon that could be an issue? Well, yeah, I mean, all the code that we have in the world that is written in these unsafe languages, they're mm. essentially a ticking bomb of we don't know how many security vulnerabilities are in there and we don't know when they'll be found out. And we don't know if they're going to be found out by the good guys or the bad guys, um, where it's quite a blurry line between the two. Yeah, it makes sense. Obviously, we can't get rid of all the code that was written today, uh, written before today. But we can say that, well, in the future, we stop writing new code in these unsafe languages and we only use new safe languages. And then that way we don't have the risk of introducing these bugs anymore. Could it not also improve the safety of existing languages? Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of research on this of, it's kind of like mitigation of, well, there's a bug, but you make it so that if the bug gets exploited, then you reduce the impact that you can have and how bad the bug is. And that works well because it, that's a really useful approach because it means that we can keep all the code that is written today and we don't have to rewrite the world in a new language. But it's, it will never be as good as something that is by construction secure. Makes sense. I think both approaches are necessary and useful, and they complement each other. Um, and I just happen to work on one of them. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of research on the other approach. Sounds about right. Mm. Speaking of uh, safety, there were a lot of safety cars in today's F1 race. Ooh. How's that for a uh, segue? T- today was good. <laughs> It was a good. It was um, it was quite an interesting race, to be fair. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, but it was. I think it was. There was three safety cars. No, there was three red flags and so three red, red safety flags. cars. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Two red flags, and it, they've ne- there's never been a race like that since like nineteen ninety or something. Was it eighty six or something? I don't know. Yeah, it's been a very very long time. Very long time. So it was really cool, but it was it it was nice to see Bottas overtake Hamilton in the first corner and then that switch around. Well, for me, because I'm a Hamilton fan. But yeah. Yeah, Bottas bottled it. Yeah, he did. But Paul, how much of F1 do you actually know? Literally nothing. Like what's a red flag mm. and what's a what's a safety car? Ooh. Is that bad? Well, we've just had uh, Paul explain what he works on mm. to you, Tyron. So I think that <laughs> you should uh, explain what F1 is to him. Oh dear. Am I going to embarrass myself now? I mean, you've Calling already done that, an so F1 that's fan. another one. Yeah, true. Okay, so... Is there an yeah, exam at so the end? Do you, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's multiple choice. <laughs> yeah, mul- yeah. So, you, so do you know anything about F1? Like anything you think about what? Okay, what do you think F1's about then? Well, it's cars that look quite flat that go round in circles. Um, and then they stop to like change their tires. And then <laughs> at the end, they win and they shake a bottle of champagne. You just described IndyCar as well and NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And then there's like teams that are like Red Bulls and I can't yeah. name another team. So, so you could name Red Bull, but you forgot about Ferrari. Yeah. Why, why do you think they all have different colours? Well, the cars. Yeah. Well, is that because it's just the colour of the brand, of the like team okay. that runs them? Okay, cool. Tell of all the questions, <laughs> I think that, that you gave you an easy one there. Okay. Yeah, I'm starting off easy. Okay. And that, like, why do you think there's like good drivers and bad drivers? Well, I was wondering that. So, yeah, what 
is it like reaction time that they're better at or not or like is there a physical aspect of like because it's probably exhausting being in there i don't know how long these races last like three hours four hours about an hour and a half for f1 oh, yeah okay that was longer <laughs> but even then like an hour and a half at like this speed and being focused all the time must be exhausting so is it like how long you can stay focused um without getting distracted probably plays a part in what's a good and bad driver but also i was wondering like what makes uh one car win versus the other is it the driver or is it the design of the car and so how is built or is it the team on the ground and it's obviously a combination of all of them but okay. if you take say the winning driver and you put in a different team is that team gonna win there now okay I, okay let me start from the start i'll give a rundown is that all right paul yeah okay so you have an f1 weekend right so let's say we're in britain at the silverstone grand prix the track near northampton so on a weekend, you have the a prep, you have three practice sessions, and then you have qualifying, and then the race. So practice is basically, it kind of makes sense, is that teams basically practice for the race. So they they learn the track conditions. So like if it's gonna be a hot weekend, if it's there, if there's gonna be rain, if there's like if the track is warm or whatever it is, and then like if it's a new track, they'll just run. The, like the drivers would want to learn the track because obviously they haven't driven before. Just to just to point out there as well that they would have um, their own like race simulators. Yeah. But nothing really beats driving a track for in real life for the first yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And then a lot of teams like say so you have the bigger teams like Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull who have the money to like do research and development for their cars. So it and they call this R and D, and where there's a smaller teams which who who haven't got much money um would obviously need to that their only chance of researching and development would be at these tracks because they might not have like as a, an advanced simulator that the bigger teams do because obviously it costs all money doesn't it so yeah so the practice is quite an important aspect for the team to do r&d but also for the driver because when you have a like say if someone was to jump into an f1 car you have like how the f1 car is set up but drivers have different setups of their cars. Does it make sense? Yeah. So one main thing is downforce. So this basically, this knows like how much the car can ensure there's a like consistent contact with the track. So this could be like, it means that the wheels slip less. So which means that they don't wear out. So the, the grip doesn't go. Okay. If, it's, if it's quite worn, then you lose grip. What's a couple of ways you could uh, change downforce, Taran? Well, it could be that you change the suspension. So you could run a softer or a uh, uh, softer or a firmer suspension. What does that mean? Let me finish. This is basically like softer is basically bouncy bouncy, and then firmer is basically like it's quite self-explanatory. Are you are you still talking about suspension? <laughs> yes. I think I got it. So if you have a bump on the end of like the road or like a really fast corner and you go over the rubber, and if you're having a soft suspension. Like, it's going to react more, isn't it? Whereas if it's firm, it's you're going to, like, glide over, aren't you? Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, Paul Baluchi. But, yeah. I understand so, yeah. the basics so you of have cars. To, see, Paul's just looking at me thinking I'm talking crap. But, yeah. But, it wasn't what you're no. saying. It's the way you're saying it. But you know what I mean. Anyway, but, like, if if we go into every single detail, I'll be here for four hours. So, that makes sense, right? So, they, so drivers, like, specific setups. Like, me and... Paul Bellucci might 
want different setups. Like I'm more of a aggressive driver, so I like firmer setups. Like, but a firmer setup means that you might be able to you might lose control of the car because yes, it's it's better for attacking, but if you lose control, your car's gonna spin. But some people might want softer setups, so it's very different on each driver. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. And then obviously you have each team has different engines. So you have at the moment you have Honda, Renault, Mercedes, and Ferrari. Correct. Which are the main uh, four engine manufacturers. But in Formula One at the moment, a lot of teams like you buy en- buy the engines from other like the manufacturers. So for example, uh, McLaren are using. Honda, aren't they? McLaren are using Renault engines. Renault, Re- McLaren using Renault, and then Alpha, Alpha, a team called Alpha Tori. I don't think I pronounced it right, but still. Alpha Tauri. Yeah, Tauri. They're using Honda. So, so different. Like obviously, Mercedes GP use Mercedes. Ferrari use Ferrari. Red Bull are using Aston Martin, uh, branded. Uh, well, no, they they buy their engines off. Uh, what's it called? Honda. Uh, Honda, and then they branded it with Aston Martin, haven't they? <clears throat> so yeah. It's, so it's a very weird thing where they bought their engines off Honda and then they've kind of rebranded it as Aston Martin, which is a bit They stupid. basically have sponsorship from Aston Martin, so they call oh, it the right. Aston Martin mm-hmm. Red Bull Racing. Okay. Yeah. So like with Alpha Tori, I think it says, obviously they have Honda branding and everything as well. Yep. And uh, But um. Every team, even though like another like r- racing point that use Mercedes engines, they're still not as as great as Mercedes GP because it's not just the engine that matters. So, for example, Ferrari are doing really bad this year, and one of the main reasons is just how the cars built been built. So, like like I said before, like the downforce and how everything is set up, it, it kind of plays a huge part of it. So, yes, like I think what you were asking is like. If a driver was taken out of, like, say, if Lewis was taken out Mercedes and taken put into Ferrari, no, he wouldn't do, be doing as great as Mercedes because it's kind of the car and the driver. Yeah, like, you need the skill of the driver, but also a lot of teams is that they they build the car around the driver. So whatever the driver wants, they build it around him. So they, so I think they've done that quite a lot with Red Bull do that definitely, and then Mercedes do that, don't they? So are the yeah. cars built like one at a time? Well, like they're so, like individual yeah. series. So that's interesting because like yeah, it's so like you have two drivers. So are you saying like do they build it individually for both drivers? Yeah, they like they don't make ten of the car. So they have like chassis, right? So chassis like the underlaying layout of the car, right? Yeah. And then but but they don't build like different cars for that they didn't build two different cars with the two different drivers. Okay. Like there's there's quite a lot of like politics about oh like who's your number one driver and number two driver. So like Ferrari at the moment, they they generally have like a this this thing that there's a number one driver, which is basically the most important driver, and they listen to that driver and number two is kind of like there to like help like bring in the money or do well and get points for the team or whatever so generally they build a car around that number one driver okay and maybe listen to number two but they always the car the both cars are very much the same they're never really different from what okay. but yeah they could they could be 
maybe one weekend, say, they want to release a new front wing or something, they might test it out on another on the second driver and say, oh, yeah, like, here's a new wing, test it out or whatever. Or sometimes if they know the part's going to work, they'll test it out on the first driver if they only got one part. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, that happened this, this weekend where Racing Point... Um, the, one of the drivers is leaving the team this year and they gave one of the new parts to the driver who's staying for next year. It's 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 just it's it's interesting to see how that is. But like you said, yes, if they took Lewis Hamilton out of Mercedes and put into Ferrari, nah, he won't be doing that great because obviously it's a different type of car, so he would have to get used to it. Yeah. And it would take him a that like every car is built so differently that yes, it's everyone says oh it's just driving around in circles, but it's it's a huge engineering achievement for teams. Like there's a lot of like it's not just the driver, but yeah. So that like so that's with practice. They yeah, that's a practice qualifying. It's kind of simple. I'll just tell you is that there's three sessions on a Saturday. This basically qualifying is basically done to 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 decide this the the starting grid for the race. So there's three sessions: Q1, Q2, Q3. Q1 is about the first 20 minutes where they, where all the cars that take part that weekend are on the track to set their fastest time for that session. The slowest cars in that session are then eliminated. And then that decides the bottom grid positions. You, drivers could do like, they could do as many laps they want. It doesn't matter. But obviously, once the time hits zero, those are the starting positions of the last drivers. Then Q2, all the drivers get out, the, the remaining drivers get out and they do their rounds and do their, their times until the uh, uh, the time has been expired, basically. Their previous times in Q1 have been cancelled, so these are all new times, basically. But something important to, th- to say here is is that in Q- whoever makes it to Q3, so here, they basically, the slowest five cars get eliminated, but whoever makes it to Q3, so the, the 10... I think, is it the 11 or 10? 10. Is it 11, Paul? I don't know what, what what number are you talking about. So whoever makes it to the Q3, they'll be u- in, in the race, in the race, they'll be using the same tyres. Does that make sense? Right, yes, yes. So the top 15 from Q1 make it into Q2. The top 10 from Q2 make it into Q3. And if you're in the top 10 in Q2, then you, the the tires that you used for your fastest lap in Q two are the ones that you have to start the race with. So, say for example, I was to do twenty five laps on one on one tire in Q two, my tires would be really worn out, and yeah. I go to the race and I'll do really bad because everyone else is on newer tires because they've only done one or two laps. But yeah, and then Q three is really simple. Basically, sets up the the last few the last uh. 10 the top 10 positions 10, top 10 and then the race is there which is quite self-explanatory they have like it depends on how long the track is 50 that like today was 59 laps i think and they they basically do that and you were right before like they they do a pit stop or two depending on how hot or how much tire wear they, they get used but it's yeah i think the main thing to think about is that it's a huge partnership between the driver and how engineering works as a team so like it's a huge team sport like yes you could have a Lewis Hamilton who's like amazing or Michael Schumacher 
But like, if you look at Sebastian Vettel, he did amazing in Red Bull with such a good team, but he hasn't been able to to match the performance of Ferrari. But you can't we can't say that he's a crap driver because he won for four years. He won four years in a row from twenty ten to twenty thirteen. So clearly not that bad. Sure. Okay. So you can't say that is he's bad. It's more that the team needs to really put the effort in as well. So it's it's if I think that's what I like. And also like today it was completely upside down. Like within the first lap, uh, an accident happened. The safety car came out. And then obviously yellow flag conditions mean that everyone follows the safety car at like a limited speed and no one can overtake each other. And it basically means that they can clear up the debris of the accident. And then soon as the safety car went in, which basically means the race is green flagged, so allowed to ha- allowed to continue, um, another accident happened, which was interesting. And uh, then it was a red flag basically means that it's not safe to continue. So they basically put a pause in the race and everyone's kind of like parked up waiting oh. until everything's cleared. So okay. yeah, there was two red flags today because of that. Was that a coincidence or were there conditions bad? The conditions were great. It was just the driver incidents that caused the red flags. Okay. So when the safety car goes back into the pit, pit which means green flag and everyone's allowed to continue, the person in the pole position, the race leader, can back everyone up, which means that they can slow down everyone else up to a certain point and they can do it as much as they want and then they can shoot off. It just allow they're basically setting the pace for everyone else in the, in, in the race. But what happened today was no one's really got used to this track that they've, no one's really driven here before. And I think uh, the people behind didn't know that everyone was driving so slow. So they went around the corner and accelerated and then an accident happened. And that was on the stuff. It was quite bad, actually. Yeah, I think it's also worth mentioning that a lot of these, um, when you have the safety car restarts, it's it's very twitchy. So as soon as like a driver sees some car start going off, they'll just assume that every car can go off. Yeah. So even if, uh, say, say you have like, what, 20 cars and one of the cars in the middle starts going off even when they shouldn't be, the ones behind them yeah. might start going off as well. But what happened here was that the, the race leader, he was going slowly, but he hadn't started yet. But the middle mm-hmm. person, someone may have jumped off somewhere. So the people behind started going off, which meant that the people going slowly in the front kind of collided with the people who were going faster in the back. And then that's why the, yeah. you had another right. safety car or the red flag immediately. And the thing is, the reason why people react so quickly is because like qualifying times, like the first person to 10th is like not 200 of a second, isn't it? Like sometimes, like it's so very, very tight. Especially this season, the gap between, like, say, ignore the Mercedes because they're a class above everyone else. But the gap between, say, fourth and fifteenth is very, very close in qualifying. Yeah, so it's interesting, but you definitely should give it a watch. And and obviously, going into an F one race is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, yes, you're sitting in a corner and you can only see what around that corner, but the atmosphere is amazing to just be there, like. Yeah, and then you have... I think it's like a football match as well, isn't it? You can't see much, but... Well, with a football match, you get to see the whole pitch. With F1 or racing in general, you see like one or two corners. <laughs> and it's expensive, but yeah. Yeah, but the thing about racing is that it, it pretty much is... Uh, I guess it's a whole it's a whole day thing or a whole weekend thing because mm. on the same track, outside of F1, you also have like other things going on. 
So for example, um, F2. So F2 is a feeder series for F1. So you have like younger drivers and like also different spec cars. Um, so this is where before you go into F1, there's a bunch of drivers who, you know, learn their trade and prove their craft. And then if they're good enough, then they go into F1 after okay. F2. Yeah. So, so that they go, they start with go-karting and then they go into like cup series at Renault Clio or like these like road car racings. And then obviously they they build their way up into these bigger teams. So for example, Lewis was given a Mercedes sponsorship. So he kind of got into all these different F2. Didn't he do Yeah, he did F3, F2. Yeah. It's It follows a similar rule of how it is, but F2 is quite different where you, uh, the race, the race week, the race itself is different because they have the race weekend is very different. Yeah, yeah. So it's two races where one is basically a normal race. I would say. Yeah, it is. It is a normal race. It's it's called a feature race, and it's basically you do something similar where you have qualifying, then you have the race, and then this all happens on the you have qualifying on the Friday and the race on the Saturday, and then you have a second race on the Sunday, which is called a sprint race. Now this race is slightly shorter, but they have something called a reverse grid. Um, so what's funny about this is that the people from first to eighth place are all in reverse order. So first in the feature race starts eighth in the sprint race and eighth in the feature race starts first in the sprint race and so on. Okay. And it's basically just another race on the Sunday, it's slightly shorter as well. So whereas in the Saturday, cause it's slightly longer, you might have to do a pit stop on the Sunday. It's just basically, a, it's called a sprint race because you usually just start and then go to the end without pitting. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then how do you decide the winner if there's two races? Do you add the times together or something like that? Oh, no, no. Each race has its own winner. Okay. So you have a feature race, which has like a normal point scoring scheme. And then the sprint race, I think the top, I think in the feature race, you get 25 points for winning it. Whereas in the sprint race, you only get 17. And the points distribution is also slightly different. Okay. And then do people in the feature race, do people fight to be in eighth place? To be first on the grid on the sprint or not? If people, if someone's seventh, you don't really see them fighting to go back to eighth because I think um, you do get more points in the feature race than in the sprint race, right? right? So there is an incentive there to try and fight for higher points in the feature race. Yeah. Obviously, if you're ninth, you're going to be fighting hard to get eighth. Yeah. It's it, it's like the for both like F two, F three, well three of them, and F one. There's a lot of nitty gritty stuff as well, like rules and how you can't do things and how you can do things and like specific rules regarding overtaking or how to yeah. steer or how you enter a pit or like how you meant to do a pit. There's a lot of yeah. like technical rules which mm-hmm. you usually don't yeah. need to worry about until the commentator mentions it. <laughs> and it's like stuff like last week when Lewis got a penalty because he he pitted when the safety when the pit lane was closed. And why is it like that? And it's just, it does get a, like really interesting. And I think for me, I, I just love the nitty gritty of how F1 works. And it does, yeah, it just, it's just really interesting to see how it works. And yeah. once you see an F1 car, it's, it's crazy. Like they're insane machines that they, they cost millions, don't they? Or, yeah, but definitely. Definitely give it a watch, and this year has been really good. Oh, what was the one about? What's the race category or series or whatever where everyone has the same car? F two, F two, everyone has the same car as well. Okay, 
Yeah. Um, but well, obviously there's other things. that Those are generally called spec series where everyone has the same specification of car. And then what mm. you can change is like setups and strategies. But how did they decide what manufacturer got to build the car? Usually it's a manufacturer that doesn't have a, like a vested interest in, in the sport. Yeah. Besides making a car that everyone can use. Because... Mm. But then, like, that means that manufacturer makes a lot of money off the sale of the cars. Yeah, I guess it's, I guess it's like, one of the deals that you have to strike up. Yeah. Because, like, in, in F1, for example, I think I think F2 as well, like, they have to use the same manufacturer of tires. Okay. Uh, like, yeah, there used to be there used to be this thing before where you'd have different types of tires, like, there was Michelin and Bridgestone. Um, but then there was, like, controversy where one of the manufacturers wasn't really making a tire that was good enough for one of the races. Uh, there was a whole boycott in one of the races where only six cars started a race. <laughs> but yeah, so I think after that, they decided let's just stick with one tie manufacturer for all the teams. Okay. But I, I don't get it. Why not just let teams choose what tires work best for them? Because then you have the situation where some of the manufacturers yeah. may uh, have advantages t- yeah. tailor their tire specifically for a, a team. Okay. Yeah, so this was like I think this is a big thing. Like Ferrari had Bridgestone tailor a tire for them, which is quite bad. But yeah, I think now it just there's more control. Like FIA, the Formula One rules basically, they basically decide what's happening and they tell the teams, and then the okay. teams sign that contract saying, "Yep, we agree what what we're doing," and then we agree that we're going to be doing this, and basically like an oath. Basically, they have to agree to. But yeah. It's it is definitely something that you should definitely give it a watch. Yeah. Although I think mm-hmm. uh, F one is one of those sports where you kind of need someone to <laughs> be with you while you're watching it for the first time because there's a lot of information that's thrown at you on the screen. Like I don't realize this on often enough, but when you're watching, you, there's just so many different numbers and little tidbits that are thrown around. Yeah. Yeah. It's I I I love it to pieces. And so, what do you prefer? Is it the, um, is it the actual watching the race on TV, or is it all the gossip around it, and all the disc, all the, maybe not gossip, but all the like discussions about what tires and what strategies and all that? I love for me. I love watching it, but I also love like so like my Sunday night ritual is like watching this guy called Ted's Notebook, and it he basically goes through every single team and explains what's happening how they've like he's basically gone and done the research from each team okay and like what's happening like how like this issue happened this person crashed why was this person having this issue why did their brakes fail what happened here oh there's a rumor that Vettel's going to this team and like why didn't it happen today or whatever so it's really cool how like I love that bit but also for me it's like I love just talking about it with people like like my manager at work is an F one like like nerd. So like our Mondays are basically just talking about F one and it's just like seeing all these things and then and I recently as well, like before F one was owned by Bernie Eccleston. And now it was sold to uh uh, uh Liberty Media. Liberty Media who a guy called Chase Chase something something. Chase Carey, I think. Chase, yeah. And he has really made Formula One into more of a online brand and really modernizing Formula One, really. And it's really like F before like F one drivers couldn't use social media inside their pit lane. 
They couldn't take pictures of their cars. They couldn't do anything. Like they couldn't have phones on them and Instagram oh. stuff. So now it's like everyone's kind of on that journey. Like, oh, we can see Lewis like Snapchat stories or Instagram stories as he comes out of the car. We can in 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 like like commune like interact with people more or drivers and you can like like for me like at the moment Lando Norris is amazing. Like he will jump out of an F one car, go home and start Twitch streaming, and like. <laughs> It's like they couldn't do that before, and now they can. Like they, they can live like a normal human being. Yeah, during lockdown, got a bunch of the F uh, F one drive, a bunch of the young F one drivers were all streaming on Twitch together, which is really fun to watch. Well, playing F one games or other things, anything playing F one or COD or just other other racing games or just or even like like Lando was playing Euro Truck Simulator with yeah. him and another guy from another team, and they were just playing. Oh. And it was just hilarious. And like last week, Lando was playing with one of the uh, the YouTube presenters, and he was like trying to kill a hornet or something at the same time. And it's just like just stupid things. It's just hilarious. So it's nice. Like it's not just all serious, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Wait, so you're saying was it was it Hamilton that takes his phone with him during the race? Uh. Well, not in the car, but like oh. as he comes out, he has his assistant who just gives it to him. Oh, right, okay. I thought you meant like he had it yeah. with him in the car. <laughs> nah, yeah, like no. just, just imagine when he's behind the safety yeah. car. Yo, guys, I'm just behind the safety car right now. <laughs> what do you think I should well, do? No, do you can... think I should slow down the no. guys behind me or go fast? <laughs> like, yeah, comment, subscribe Paul. to tell me what to do. <laughs> well, not gonna lie, Russell did an on on board. A driver did an on board commentary of a track yesterday, so he was driving and talking at the same time. Okay. On the radio, cool. which is pretty cool. Yeah, it was really, really cool. But yeah, you definitely give it. A, I'd give it a watch. Yeah, I would hundred yeah, percent recommend you to. I, I'd recommend F one if you're if you want to hear more about like the drama and because it is the pinnacle of motorsport. But in my opinion, I am a big F two fan because it's where the young drivers are. There's a lot much. There's just a lot better racing because the cars are so much more similar. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, F two for racing, yeah. F one for drama. <laughs> Anything so other than F one? Are you guys? Is there anything coming up in the next week or so that you guys are looking forward for? I'm looking forward to the Apple event. Oh yeah, there's that. Is that what Wednesday, Tuesday? I think Tuesday. Yeah, I'm. I'm really, really hoping that a new Apple TV gets launched. Because, like, yeah. What happened to your current one? Oh, it got bricked. I don't know how it got bricked, and because I didn't buy it from Apple. I bought it from EE, Apple won't fix it, and then EE won't fix it. So I just it's just a faff to get it fixed and they won't do anything. And then lockdown happened and then I couldn't send it over to them and all that. Fair enough. Yeah, I yeah. yeah, I don't know if they will announce a new iPhone or not. But either way, it's it's coming this month or next month. Well I, I think I'm looking forward for the iPhone or the Pixel 5, so hopefully a Google event will happen soon. So is Apple doing two events, one this week for the, their watch and one later for the phone? Is that where the deal is? Well, because of lockdown, I think that they delayed stuff Okay, is what I heard. And I think they even made a public report saying that their iPhone schedule is not on track. But this was back in May. So it could be that they've like sped up. But obviously, in my head, I'm thinking like I've seen loads of leaks of chassis being leaked and all that. So we never know. We never know really with Apple, do we? Yeah. So yeah, they're very much like hush hush. But I think in my mind, I'm thinking 
a new Apple TV, a new Apple Watch, maybe AirPod Studios that they launched uh, in the fall, like so over here. AirPods, AirPods, which would be good. Would you still call them AirPods though, if they're not pods? <laughs> why not Air Cups? No, why, no. So it'd be something pods because it's like HomePod AirPods, maybe uh, uh, HeadPods or AirPod. No, that's AirPods. Yeah, the same thing. Like maybe no, it can't be HeadPods. Wait, so yeah. how? Because Apple bought Beats or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a while back. How does? Their AirPod Studio fit in with the Beats market. I think Beats has they've left Beats to do whatever they want. I think. Okay. And they can continue building whatever they want and their own vision, but they just obviously use Apple technology first. So like the W is it the W one chip or whatever? Something like what that. Yeah. Is. Yeah. But um, obviously I think eventually they'll merge all of them together after. Yeah. But it's, I'm, I'm excited for what is going to happen. But I really hope they release something. But they've also got, there's also rumors of a new subscription, I think, called Apple One subscription. So yeah. it consists of storage, uh, Apple Music, Apple TV, and uh, also... Apple Arcade, maybe? Like, or is that separate? Yeah, and I think that. But also there's a new one called Health subscription, I think. Or Fitness okay. Plus or something. Which, I'm not sure if it's real, but... It should be good, but definitely a watch because in the metadata of YouTube it says watch, so that should be cool. So that's Tuesday. Then PlayStation Wednesday, right? Yes, PlayStation's on Wednesday, nine PM. Ah, be cool. I still haven't decided yet about PlayStation or Xbox. We shall see. Wait, is the yeah. PlayStation just about? Didn't they already announce it a few months ago? Yeah, they announced it, showed some games, they showed what it looks like. I think this one will probably be to confirm the release date and pricing and availability yeah. okay. and all those details. Maybe maybe show some more footage of games, I don't know. Mm. Right. Because they, Xbox had to announce their stuff because uh, got their, uh, yeah, one of the stuff got leaked, mm-hmm. so they just announced it. Yeah, that's November the 10th, isn't it, Paul? Yep, I November think. the 10th is when the Xbox... Series X and Series S are launching. But I'm, yeah, I still haven't decided it. Are you getting anything? Do you play any games? Not really. But, oh, so I have a Switch, which I play mostly Zelda and Animal, Animal Crossing on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that, not really. Not huge. Although I did see there was a new Zelda that was coming out soon. Yeah. Um, Like a prequel to Breath of the Wild? I think it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't really keep up with... Nintendo news, if I'm honest. I have a Switch, but I only played Animal Crossing for like three days and then lockdown happened. So I couldn't. So yeah. Didn't you buy a Switch just to play Animal Crossing? <laughs> yeah, but then lockdown happened, didn't it? So I couldn't. Why can't you play during lockdown? Oh, because I was supposed to be on sick leave and lockdown. And long story, I started working. Like, yeah. Okay. It, yeah. From then to now. Well, still going, but yeah. Basically worth a church, so everything now is doing stuff online. So as so as a as lockdown happened, you had to be part of helping them set up their like Sunday services, right? All right. Yeah, I just, well there's no excuse of me being at home not doing anything. So me on sick leave was like I can't but I had an operation, so yeah. But that was fine. But but it's uh so I think I'll start playing this week. We'll see. I I'm gonna play start Spider Man today, which is good. 
I say that six weeks ago as well. Yeah, yeah Tyrone's been saying I'm going to start Spider-Man pretty much every week for the last three months. <laughs> well, I have been playing F1 with everyone, but I think I've quit the league now after an incident today. So I think I'll be playing that, making use of my time more wisely. But anyway. Yeah, so speaking of uh, using our time wisely, I think we should give everyone their evenings back. Yeah, or mornings, because you never know that people oh, could yeah. be watch- listening to this in the morning. Well, it's a morning somewhere and it's an evening somewhere. Exactly. Wow, very be. cool, Paul. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Paul, for joining us today from your humble abode. Thank you for having me. Anytime. We shall see you probably next week. You mean we'll see our audience next week? Yes, I mean that, yes. Oh yeah, I was like, wait, I, what? I mean... I'm doing another episode next week? <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> yeah, we'll see you Yeah. Thank you very much and uh, see you later. Goodbye. Goodbye.